history of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I am joined by London. We do not have our favorite shadow voice, Shadow Adam. He is hiding in another shadow in another room. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered today by Aristotle. Sitting in for Mason Booker. Thank you, Aristotle, for being here. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) We are here live, Meltdown Comics, recording. As you know, things always are going on at Meltdown. For example, we have Meltology. This is a monthly comics jam at Meltdown every third Tuesday of the month. Come here at Meltdown at 7 p.m. Draw a page of whatever you want at 9.30. They collect the art. And for $3, those are the printing costs, when you come back to the next month's Comics Jam, you'll get a complete zine with everyone's contributions inside. There is no set theme, and all skill levels are welcome. Come on down. London, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? First of all, Happy New Year, because ah, this is our first show. Of, of the, the new, new year. year. Yes, so thank you. awesome. Did you have a good uh, <laughs> celebration? I did. It was very nice. Well... We are celebrating something today because we have a special guest. I know. Would you care to introduce our very special guest? Well, he is a writer and producer, and he has written the latest DC Universe animated original movies, and he also has worked on recent comic for Bizarro, and that is Heath Corson. Hi. The crowd went wild again. Did you hear them all go wild? (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. So I love it. Was she right, Keith? Did she identify you properly? Was it a proper introduction? I would for say that's you? absolutely a proper introduction. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. I don't. I yeah yeah. I've done a whole bunch of stuff for Warner Animation, and yeah, uh, uh, yeah I'm excited to talk about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I first of all want to say I have enjoyed all of your. DC work. Well, thank you so much. It's I've you. enjoyed doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I mean, first we'll talk about more how you got into liking comics. I mean, how long have you been a comic book fan? I'm sure that has to come into play when you're writing about the Justice League. Well, and, sure. Yeah. Uh, I have been a fan since I was really, really little. Um, <laughs> I was probably five or six when okay. my mom would take me to the supermarket and they used to sell um, the blue uh, uh, blue ribbon uh, digests, which were these <laughs> right. little, little tiny books <laughs> yeah. that yeah. were like 90 pages and you got like 10 different stories in them. And I was like, this is great for the value. Because where where was this? This was in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. Okay. Okay. Um, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, my folks moved to Chicago when I was really young. I'm the oldest of four siblings. Oh. Um, and I always would carry a book or a comic in my back pocket. So... Um, my my sisters were always loud and arguing and annoying, and I would just, like, whip out a comic book and just, like, sit in a corner and read. And <laughs> I loved going to the supermarkets because they always had the racks. They had the comic racks, and I would right. pull everything out of the racks and just sit and read while my mom shopped. And uh, <laughs> they asked me to leave a number of times. But uh, I was a fan since I was real, really young. Right. Um, and I, I 
taught myself to read actually uh, when I was little. I, I love people reading to me so much that my my parents had to read books after books after books. Yeah. And my dad was like, screw this. This is horrible. So he <laughs> recorded stories on tape really? and would put the tape recorder under my crib and give me the books. And we're like, here's the six books. Here you go. Wow. And I would just follow <laughs> would he go? Would he go ding every time it was a... No. <laughs> the time you the baby. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do that. <laughs> okay. um, so I had to learn to read. And, and so I learned to read like pretty young by how, following along. How old are you when you learned to read then? I was probably like two and a half, three. Oh, my oh, Lord. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and from then, I was like, more, 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 more. So uh, that got me right. And I just started mainlining comics. So right was it superheroes that brought you to comics? Absolutely, yeah. it was superheroes. Yeah. I, I hardlined superheroes right away. I loved the costumes. I loved the colors. I loved the way they talked. I loved the notion of just larger-than-life heroes that were out there doing good things and protecting people. Um the best thing about these Blue Ribbon Digests is you got so many different kinds of stories. Yeah. So if you right. did a Superman or a Superboy, you would get a couple stories from the 50s, a couple stories from the 60s, a couple stories from the 70s. And when I was young, I really liked the 50s stories because they were wacky and anything could happen. And there was gold kryptonite and yes. there was, you know, red kryptonite. And they do like these crazy Elseworld stories where yes. like Superman red, Superman blue, and they'd split and like they both were same amount of powerful. And <laughs> and they were like, well, I just want to go somewhere and love Lois Lane. And the other one's like, well, I just want to love Lana Lang. And they're like, oh my God, this will work out great. So they both went off and married the girls that they wanted. And it, it was awesome. And like Superman Red um, took uh, Candor and took it out of the bottle and like yeah. smashed a <laughs> smashed a planet to like remake Krypton and they right. they lived on Krypton meanwhile Superman Blue was with Lois and lived in Metropolis I was like this is fantastic you mean <laughs> this fantastic. yes I have that I went I bought on I went on uh, eBay. eBay and I bought like all the old Blue Ribbon Digest so okay. it's interesting I mean Blue Ribbon Digest that's a DC imprint yes, yes. or a, a a version of DC Comics. Yes. It was a repackaging of right. old stories of DC. Because right. they're like, we have all these stories. Let's, let's tie them together somehow. Was it... Because obviously there were Marvel comics at the time. Yes. What brought you right to DC? I mean, because you, you, what you said is the Blue Ribbon Digest, the little ones, put it in your Absolutely. pocket. Uh, what brought me to DC was I think... I as a little little kid I really liked those 50s and 60s stories. They seemed simple. I liked the colors. I liked I could get it, you know, like they weren't too complicated and they were fun and they were a little tongue in cheek and and I got it. You know, like there and then when you get older and you start getting a little bit more sophisticated, you're like Oh, well, now I want to try Marvel, right? Like, I want to see the Marvel <laughs> books because these guys are flawed. And I think in the beginning I was too young to, to connect to those stories. I right. was like, I don't get it. Why can't this guy just be Spider-Man all the time? Like, right. Who cares about his aunt? Like, and then you get a little older and you go, oh, wait, I understand that because I'm tortured and I love a girl and I can't tell her how awesome I am. And, you know, so then I think when you when you hit – 11, 12 years old, you dive into all the Marvel stuff and you go, oh, this is me now. I'm, I'm, I'm just eat all that. And then um, when I was in uh, junior high, high school was um, 80, 1984, 
Uh, and that's when, 84, 86 is when all the big stuff started popping. Right. Like your Dark Knight Returns, right. your Watchmen, your V for <laughs> Vendetta. And I was like, and that was the stuff that just like blew my mind. I was like, wait, this is an art form. Like we are sitting on an art form. These are real characters. Like these are, as you said at the beginning, literary characters. Um, it's not just throwaway stories. They're not just disposable. This is modern day mythology. Right. And from then, I just, I, I, I read everything. I read everything I could get my hands on. Very nice. Did you have a favorite superhero? Were you always a Superman fan, or did did another character? My all time, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here. My all time favorite was always Batman. Yes, Batman was always my heard all here. time favorite. The history character. of the Batman. Um, always. Uh, I loved Spider-Man because as a teenager, you feel connected to it. But mm-hmm. Batman was the guy who taught himself, and it always felt obtainable. It always felt like, oh, I could be the Batman. Right. Now, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a Powerball ticket in my wallet. <laughs> and if I win $1.5 billion, I will work to become you Batman. You will work to become Batman. That is Th- This I will swear on this podcast. <laughs> I will work to become Batman. But in, in the, the first stories, it was what I really connected to of the Batman of the 50s and 60s was mm-hmm. Batman the Detective. Yes. The Dark Knight detective. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest detective of all time. And he and, and I really liked that because I was reading Sherlock Holmes at the time. And yes. and so I really liked those stories. I liked the idea of this guy out there protecting um everybody and 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 going against these grotesque over the top characters. Right. Uh, these villains. And and that was the thing that really connected to me. And then I'm I'm also a big fan of uh, uh clearly with Bizarro, I like way offbeat characters. I like Bizarro, <laughs> I like Howard the Duck, I like I love Squirrel Girl. Like I love Did you like Captain Bug. Carrot. Captain Carrot. I love Captain <laughs> Carrot. I used to play and I've told the guys at DC this. I used to play Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew on the uh, playground with my buddies. Nice. And I was, I was like, I'm Captain Carrot, and you're Pig Iron, and you're Fastback, and you're Rubber Duck, and I made them Who all. Who was Yankee them. Poodle? We didn't because we didn't play with a lot of girls. Oh, okay. <laughs> we didn't know any girls. So I, you know, we we just said Allie Cat Allie Catabra. Oh, she was gorgeous. Uh, little Fuck. Cheese. Cat. I had, I love <laughs> Little folks. Cheese bringing little, them back. Yeah, deep cut. You know, I've actually said like it, with the animation stuff, I was like, "Why haven't we done a Captain yes. Carrot animation? Why haven't show? you? They just, Why haven't they? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, a little it. short, at least a little extra on the DVD. It seems like those toys would like that never go out of style. The biggest like, crime those toys would go forever. Biggest crime that they'd never made Captain Carrot. Toys. I know. I wanted a figure of Captain Carrot. So bad. (laughs) So bad. And then when they did the DC animal versions. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Batmouse. The Just a Lot of Animals. Oh, my God. The JLA. It was a... Batmouse, Super Squirrel. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. What was Wonder Wonder Woman? Because she was... I thought she was like a squirrel, too. I don't remember that one. I don't remember. check that out. (laughs) That was the best Oh, it was great. It was great. It was so funny. I'm glad that you loved that. Yeah. Ambush Bug, um, the Substitute Legion of Superheroes is another one I've always wanted to do. Uh, my all-time favorite was the JLI, 
was the uh, uh, Geffen and DeMattis and um, McGuire, oh, okay. Justice League International. Wonder Wabbit. Wonder, Wonder <laughs> Wabbit? Yeah. Because Ooh. that's she had the connection with Captain Carrot, which right. made Super Squirrel <laughs> right. jealous. She made a je- nice, good, to- good pull. Um, the, the, the Justice League International was my favorite because it was, and I've actually been incredibly lucky enough to be friends now with uh, J.M. Dematis oh, and wow. um, yeah. uh, Kevin McGuire, and I was I was on a panel and I told these guys what this book meant to me. And, I mean, I was near tears. I was near tears sitting up here because I said, look, I was a big comedy guy growing up, growing up in Chicago, growing Mm -hmm. up at, you know, I went to Second City. I went to Improv Olympic. I I used to go to the improv set, like, all the time. And I knew I loved comedy and I knew I loved writing comedy, but I didn't see a lot of really funny comic books reflected. Like, if they were, they were really dark, Mm -hmm. like your Boris the Bear, your your martial law. Um, And then JLI came out. And I was like, holy crap, like this thing is so funny and so witty. And it was like a workplace comedy that just happened to have superheroes in it. And I told Kevin, like one of my favorite panels that blew my mind was there's this panel where Blue Beetle is rubbing his eyes under his goggles. And it was so simple. And it was the thing that blew my mind because I thought, oh, these are real people dealing with their costumes as costumes, like scratching their head under their hood and being like, ooh, this shirt is itchy. And I was like, that blew my mind because I never saw an artist deal with the reality of fabric. So, of course, Blue Beetle laughed so hard he had to rub his eyes (laughs) under his goggles. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, it really just... It opened up everything to me because I was like, this is somebody who's dealing with these these characters behind the mask. Right. They're, they're people. That attention to detail is insane. Yeah. Because you, you don't think about no. things like that. And you make them living, breathing people right. first rather than just icons. Right. And they become more relatable and you want to keep reading. That's right. Which yeah. is kind of what DC had to do because that was a sure. Marvel technique. Right. That's right. And DC had to make those characters more than what they were. Right. Yeah. Right. Because they were icons. That was the whole idea. They were propaganda. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so to revitalize them and to make them new and and relevant, right. you have to keep sort of And that retelling. is what – that is that is the sign of a good creator too. When you think, oh, it's just going to be a guy who flies through the air and saves the world every time. Well – it's actually not that easy, and right. there's there's actually some drama to it. Yeah, and maybe itchy or runs in your stocking. I don't know. Oh, right. So, anyhow, well, what else? Speaking you of yes. JLI, would you be interested in doing or writing a film, like animated, or I'm sure you yes, like... please. Can you give me that job? <laughs> um, I will tell you. I mentioned that. Every time I'm over there. I mention really? that to James Tucker. I mention it to uh, Alan Burnett. I pitch it every single time. Like We got to the point where someone mentioned JLI at a panel, and James is just like, talk to Heath. He's like, I can't even answer this question again. But I had a whole pitch that was like, 
it was a, a period piece, and you put it in the like late eighties, early nineties, nice. and I was like, "Come on!" I mean, it's Joel McHale as Booster Gold, and like <laughs> Matthew Perry as Blue Beetle, and and, and Alec Baldwin as as uh, Maxwell Lord, and Sofia awesome. Vergara as Fire. Like, let's get like some really funny, fun people to do these parts, and and like blow it up and do something completely different. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, but I'm still like pushing that up the hill. Nice. So, so real quick though, before we go, so you're in Chicago as a kid. You're getting into comics. Yes, you're reading everything. I read everything. And so, how how do we get to this point? I mean, what's the next right. step? <laughs> Great question. It's sort of like yada because yada it sounds yada. like, and then I'm doing animation, <laughs> right? Because it's a dream. I mean, what exactly. you're talking about is a dream for many people, right? Yes. And. I mean, it's so cliche, but you're living the dream. I'm, I, you don't understand. I am well aware how lucky yeah. I am that I get to, to touch these characters. So how does that thing. happen? It's a great question. So here's what happens. I go away to college at Northwestern. I come back to Chicago uh, to work in theater. And one of the things I did in theater was do adaptations of literature to the stage. Mm. And one of the shows, one of the books I wanted to do was a comic book called Scary Godmother, uh, written by Jill Thompson, written and and painted by Jill Thompson. Beautiful book. And this is the early 2000s. So I contact Jill, and little did I know that Jill Thompson lives in Chicago. So I invite her to come see one of our shows that we do, and she does. Jill slips in in the back, and she thinks that no one can see her with, like, this bright red shock of hair. And, like, of course I knew what Jill looked like. (laughs) So I came up to her afterwards, and I was like, oh, my God. And she actually really liked the show. So she said, I'd like to talk to you about doing Scary Godmother. Let's do that. So I adapted with Jill a uh, state, and I'm, then I d- d- I directed the stage version of her comic book, and Jill did the design, uh, oh, the wow. set and the costume design. So the curtain opens, and you look like you're stepping into, into Scary Godmother. <laughs> unbelievable! It was beautiful. Uh, this is two thousand one, two thousand two, okay. and the show sold out. We ran for like. Three and a half months, sold out every single performance that we did. Huge hit. Little did I know the people that owned the animation rights to Scary Godmother, um, which was a company called Mainframe Entertainment, which at the time was run by a little known man named Dan DiDio. (laughs) That's a true story. Um, and so Mainframe sends someone to come see our show, and they pull me aside and they say, we we love your script. It's better than any of the scripts that we've already generated for this show. So we want you and Jill to write the script for this Halloween special, and maybe we'll spin it into a um, a series. So Jill and I write it, and they make it, and it runs every year since 2003 on Halloween on Cartoon Network called Scary Godmother's Halloween Spectacular, <laughs> wow. which I'm that so proud so of. Cool. And it was the very first thing that I ever got paid to write. Um, and, I, and it was kind of comics adjacent. It got me in with comics and got me in with Jill. Um, and, uh, uh, it was fantastic. And I was like, well, I'm going to move to LA. So I moved to LA in 2003, 2004. Did you have anything in line? Nothing. You just said, I'm going to LA because that's where it is. Because I got 
paid for this thing, and I got money in my pocket. And I'm a and, writer now. And I'm a writer now, and I have a credit, <laughs> and maybe I can, like, work on, you know, maybe I can be, be – I set my sights higher than Chicago because mm-hmm. I, was, I was totally happy doing theater in Chicago for the rest of my life, and then I started going, like, maybe I could do more. Are you married at the time? I was married at the time, but that marriage fell apart soon after I, I moved. Was, um, was so, that because of the move? It was not because of the move, but the move intensified a lot of the problems. Um, and then we split soon after I was I, – I, I moved first. Right. And then she, when she joined me, I had to go back to Chicago to do a job. Mm-hmm. And so we were married but, like, spent the first – spent nine months of the first year not in the same oh, place. Wow. And then yeah. when we were, we were like – Oh, I think we've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> so it fell apart soon after that. And um but I am happily married now. Right. Uh, so but you moved I, I moved out to LA and uh I started just sort of pounding the pavement and, and doing a bunch of stuff. It's a lot of like one thing leads to another, leads to another. I did a short with a buddy that goes to the Aspen Comedy Festival, which doesn't even exist anymore, like second to last year, and it wins at Aspen and so off of that we get a blind script deal and then we make a pilot for Fox and then we make another pilot for Fox and how that soon one did that made. happen after moving um all in all it was like three years this is like okay. 2006 oh. 2007 so that three years that you're pounding the pavement I mean what are you doing for money at that time Anything I can. Mm-hmm. I tempt at Chicago, and so I tempt a bunch out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get my uh, my stu- my industry adjacent job, right. which I worked for a paparazzi agency for wow. eighteen months, where okay. I ran the offices. <laughs> um, I didn't take pictures, but I was the guy who had to like sort and edit the pictures and right. like dealt with our insurance because the guys were always like crashing the car and getting into fights. Oh, I had to deal with all the back end stuff. Oh, wow. Like and probably it was, some good stories. Oh, yeah. man. It was at the time when um, TMZ was just starting to get on the scene. So it really, that wasn't it. It was all photography. Mm-hmm. And this company that I, that I started temping with, and then they just hired me, um, were the ones who got pictures of Jennifer Aniston and Brad splitting up. Mm. Um, if you remember, like, the paparazzi kept crashing into Lindsay Lohan's car. <laughs> we were the guys who kept crashing into Lindsay's car, and I had to deal with that. Justin Timberlake was dating uh, uh, Cameron Diaz at the time, and he gets in a fist fight with the paparazzi. That was our guy. Oh, wow. So, like, every time we were in the news, that was that was us, and I had to deal with that. Wow. Um, and that was soul-killing. Yeah. So, I, so I, are you writing at that time? How much are you I writing? I am writing yeah. to get the F out of there. Right. Because so my buddy comes to me and he says, I want to direct a short. I want to write it with you. And so we spent my lunch hour writing. We would write after work. We would write on weekends. And we were writing to, like, get out. I was wow. like, this has got to work because I hate this job. Right. And in the meantime, they kept promoting me and kept giving me more money. So I was like, oh, if, if I'm on this track, I'll never get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So we made the short. The short went to the Aspen Comedy Festival. We got a blind script deal. We got a blind script deal, actually, as we were walking onto the plane. Like, we heard that we got that deal, and we were like, Fantastic. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was a writer. I was like, a poop presto, I'm a writer. So cut to 
Rob, I, I so I, I hunker down. I make enough money. I'm doing odd jobs. I'm doing animation. Yeah. I start doing animation. I was developing with like Disney XD or Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. I was selling shows. Um, the writer's strike hits, but I can still do some new media and animation because it's not covered by that stuff. So mm-hmm. luckily I was already had a foot in the door and, and I was okay. Um, and then... I do this digital show for uh, McGee's company uh, called Aim High, and it was the, one of the first digital shows on Facebook. And I make it through Warner Brothers, and it's this big success. And they come to me, the Warner Brothers, we, we, me and my partner, Richie Keene, win an award, uh, a Writers Guild Award for writing this. And, they, and Warner Brothers comes to me and goes like, who do you want to meet? And I said, I want to meet the guys who are doing your DC direct-to-video movies. And they were like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you can meet anybody. And I was like, that's who I want to meet. And they're like, all right, we'll set you up with Alan. And then I hear the name Alan Burnett. Right. And you know. Yes. Alan Burnett is like, one Alan, of the architects of the Batman the Animated yes. Series, which is maybe one of my favorite. Like, that's my Batman. Yes. Like, that's the Batman we Me grow too. up with, yeah. right? Yes. So now I hear, oh, you're going to meet Alan and you're going to pitch Alan. And I was like, I'm going to what? <laughs> so I go in to meet Alan who ends up being the nicest man on the planet. Like, really, one of my mentors. That's so nice to hear. And the <laughs> sweetest guy in the universe. I pitch him basically Justice League International, the the the, show, the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, that's funny. Let me run it up the flagpole. He had read an animated TV show that I had written um, that I developed for Disney XD. And he's like... I love your action. I love your dialogue. He's like, it made me laugh. So that's why I wanted to meet. That's why I said yes to meeting you. Um, we don't get a lot of stuff with a sense of humor over here. And I think we we really should. Um, so I follow up with – first of all, I love Alan and I loved meeting him. And so then I follow up with him like every three months for a year. Okay. No joke a oh, wow. year. Um <laughs> And his answer is always the same. Like, I got, you know, you're on the list. I got gotcha. We don't have anything for you now. And I often be like, no, no, I'm not checking in for that. I just want to see how you are. Like, whatever. Yeah. So, I want the job. <laughs> I want the, give me a job. And finally, he calls me and he says, I think I have something for you. And I was like, great. And he, and he goes, it's a Scooby Doo. And I go, I'd love to do a Scooby Doo. And he goes, all right, well, I'll, I'll call you in a week. He calls me in a week and he's like, Scooby went away. And I was like, oh, man. And he's like, but I think I have something else that you're better for. And I was like, great. What is it? And he says it's um, it's Justice League, and I was like, "Holy crap! I'm doing Justice League!" And then there's a beat, and I go, "Holy crap! I'm doing Justice League!" Like it dawns on you, like what a huge responsibility it is. I'm so sure. they give me the Jeff Johns, Jim Lee right. first six arc right. of the New Fifty Two, and it was Justice League Origins. Yes, and they're like, "Great." Um, you'll be pitching Mike Carlin and Jeff Johns and Alan your take in a week. And I was like, wait, what? Like, these are big names. You can't just throw these names at me. Like, what? And a week, too. In a week. In a week. <laughs> so I had to basically go in and say, here's my take on the characters. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going off the rails, which is different. And this is what I. Uh, this is how I'm going to service this story, but but also do some stuff that people 
are is are going to surprise people. What you right. do in that week? Though. Yeah, yeah. What was that what process? What I did in that like? week was I went and I I like dug into those books like heavy, right. heavy, heavy, and mm-hmm. I, I really like read them and reread them and reread them, and then I read like touchstone stories for me with those characters and like what their voices were and where it was different. And the thing that I connected to was there was a movie uh, and I had watched all the, all the animated stuff. There was a movie that the late great Dwayne McDuffie did called justice league doom, which right, which is a fantastic. And where that movie works is we're dealing with a, with a justice league that's firing on all cylinders. They know each other so well. Right. Like, this is a crew that's like, hey, it's well, let's do this move. Let's do that thing that we did when we fought um, Amazo on, on, in the eighth dimension. Right. Or like, they're so in sync They're with just each in other. sync. And what I came in and I said, it clicked with me that I was like, oh, this is the opposite. This is the day that all these people meet and go, I don't know who you are. I don't trust you. You're wearing an outfit. I can't see your face. We're both standing over here on the same side. So I guess we're on the same side by default. (laughs) But I have no clue who you are. And that was the thing that started informing these character voices. Like, what does a 23-year-old Green Lantern sound like? What does a really young Flash sound like? Where do these guys bump up against each other where do they who do they like like who knows that shazam is really an 11 year old boy like he kind of looks like this doofus he's acting (laughs) like an idiot because you're like bro what is happening to you like what are you doing right and so once i got those voices it all starts popping i go oh my god well well, in the book green lantern and batman hate each other like they're doing the complete opposite thing like Green Lantern's this, like, dude bro with the popped collar, and Batman's like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> and how do we heighten that and make that bigger and bigger? Like, Wonder Woman finally goes up to Shazam and smacks him across the face, knocking him into the wall, and goes, you're a warrior. Act like it. <laughs> and I was like, of course she does. And I was just like, these moments just start talking to me when that you find the character voices. So I basically was like, it's Breakfast Club meets St. Elmo's Fire with these characters. Like, none of them know what they're doing. None of them are secure in it. And they're just going to do the best they can. And they're holding on for dear life. Wow. And that led to some really, and they were like, cool, go do that. And so you were able to, I mean, so that week, though, you're like all-nighters watching, reading, yes. writing. yes. Just yes. putting it together. Putting it together. Saying, like, what's... like? Because when someone says to you, okay, well, what's your take on the Justice League? Right. You got to go, wait, right. what? What's my what? Right. Which is also, by the way, sounds so awesome. Like, you've got a week to watch as much as you can, <laughs> read as much as you right. can, I mean, and then come up with your own story. And come up with, like, what are you going to do? That's pretty awesome. Um, it was great. And then the minute I finished that, they called and they were like, this is a great script. Um and plus, I was the I, I was so involved. Like I loved doing this. I I went to the records, and no uh, uh, writer had ever gone to the movie records before. And I said, I want to be there in case they need me, in case I can help. And and uh, like, so this guy's awesome. <laughs> they were like, well, for free? Okay, cool. Come on. So I go into my first record, and they introduce me to Andrea Romano, who's oh, directing wow. them. And my mind blows. <laughs> I was like, exactly. holy crap. <laughs> Um, 
and I, I got to see Andrea like run people through their paces and do it, and it was amazing. How was that? I know. She's just... unbelievable. <laughs> like she gets a full performance out of somebody that's just like spectacular, spectacular. And so soon on the heels of that, I was like, I had the best time doing that. They call me and they say, well, would you do, have you played any of the Batman Arkham games? And I was like, yeah, I've played all of them. And they were okay. like, great. Do you want to do uh, a Batman movie in the Arkhamverse? And they said, we want to do a Batman movie with uh, the Suicide Squad. And I came back to them and said, how about we do a Suicide Squad movie with Batman? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, how would that work? And I said, well, here's the here's here's why this is interesting. Because I went back and played those Arkham games. And they're awesome. You are Batman. Right. You're never going to give... My problem with video game movies is you're never going to give that same experience. You're never going to give someone the experience <laughs> of being Batman in a movie. So I said, all right, the player's Batman. Batman swings off. And the camera stays with the guys that he just beat up. <laughs> So there's a whole Batman story that's going on that we're not privy to, but we stay with the bad guys. And they were like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, tonally, what are you thinking? And I was like, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Like, it's it's a heist movie. It's lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Right. And they were like, write that up. So, and then it became like, who's your suicide squad? Who do you want? And I started picking it. And they said, you could play with anything you want in the Arkhamverse. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, can I have the Riddler? And they're like, yeah, you can have the Riddler. I was like, can I have the Penguin? And they're like, yeah, you can have the Penguin. I was like, can I have the Joker? And they were like, why don't you nail down like a really good story and then you can have the Joker? And I was wow. like, all right, here's my story. My story is it's a love triangle between Harley and the Joker and dead shot mm-hmm. um and the joker takes over basically our third act because he busts his way out of arkham and sort of screws up everything for right. the squad <laughs> um and it was incredibly fun because unlike writing heroes bad guys have no impulse control they can do whatever they want and just because they're all on the same side doesn't mean they're not going to kill you or stab you in the back or try to you know get you caught at any point so that was what was super different about getting to write that right. um, and those two things. Which one? I know they're both enjoyable. Which one did you enjoy most having to deal with the heroes or dealing with villains? For me, the villains, I got to do like some heavy duty stuff with the villains because they were like, push it, push it, push it. Right. And I was like, all right. My joke was always like, this is the 21st movie. Like, we're 21. We can have sex and we could drink and we could get real dirty with right. these guys. And we did. And people went nuts. We screamed at a Comic-Con. And, and, <laughs> and oh, by the way, it's going to be Kevin Conroy as your Batman. <laughs> That's your Batman. I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm on a panel at Comic-Con, like, next to Kevin Conroy mm. and Andrea Romano. <laughs> and I was like... The uh, the the um one uh, the publicist took a picture of me uh, uh, from the wings and I'm on the end and like that's my photo for anything I ever use because I just have this biggest grin on my face I'm just like holy crap um it was unbelievable that was an unbelievable experience I I loved writing that because it was it was also my complete story like it wasn't an adaptation of anything right so that was my story from beginning to end. And heist movies are hard because you got to get to 
where you land by the end and sort of reverse engineer them. Like, what what are they going in to steal? Who's going to backstab who? Is that really? Does every is everyone on board that that's right. what they're going to steal? Every like, part has to be really planned right. out. Oh, and by the way, they're not going in to steal this thing. One <laughs> of them, they need the whole team to get Killer Frost in to kill the Riddler. Right. <laughs> right. So you yes. go, oh crap! Like nobody knew that. And right. so that you know, so it was really fun because it was twists on top of twists on top of twists. Right, and with Assault on Arkham, the characters play it's it is story driven, but the characters themselves really make up the film. So right. I know diving into doing the villains, you, everyone is has something special about them. Yes, and, and it is that they drive the the movie to yeah. me more than like just the overall plot. So I'm sure just doing the characterization of them all was so intense. fun. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> and we pull the magic trick of by the end King Shark blows up and you're a little <laughs> sad about it even though this is a guy who came out of a bathtub of blood <laughs> in the opening that you're like holy crap look at this guy and by the end you're kind of like Oh, because you're pulling for him, you know? And I was right. like, when people, when at, at Comic-Con, when people went like, oh, I was like, all right, we won. Yes. We won this one because you're rooting against Batman. Right. You're actually rooting right. for the squad. You're going like. So do you think this new Suicide Squad movie uh, just totally bit your script? Um, <laughs> that's not for me to say. Uh, have, I'm ex- you, have you read it? Or? I haven't. Okay. I've read an old version, right. um, and I know that n- neither Harley nor Joker or any of those people appeared until uh, Captain Boomerang uh, until after the animated movie came out. So I'm oh, super excited to see that's it. That's awesome. That is um, awesome. It would be. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Johns had said to me that like we've we've seen it and we're very influenced by it for the movie. So. That is such. Wow. I mean, it's kind of like awesome to hear, and, and yeah. even yeah. like on whatever level that it gets. You know, the greatest thing because these are not our characters, right. no matter what ownership you right. feel of them as a fan or as an artist. We're borrowing them, and we play with them, and we stretch them, and we do whatever we can, and then you're adding to the mythology, and then you stand on the shoulders of the next guy right. to, to play with the next right. toy, and the next guy's going to do it for mine. So right. it's cool to hear that oh, like absolutely. you've contributed right. to canon on one level or another, even if the artists that are working on that movie like saw mine and were like, oh, that's a cool idea. That's, like, a, that's really yeah. awesome. It's good I'm to very hear. flattered that by that. It's good to hear because I could imagine that there's a lot of salty creators, and that's just probably not the way to go. I think you have to go into it with the thought that you just expressed, which is we're borrowing these characters. And I wouldn't have got my ideas if someone else didn't do it before. Absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely – I mean, look, a lot of – two of my animated movies were adaptations. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I wasn't standing on the shoulders of Jeff Johns, you know, and and starting from his – his great books, you know? Right. So it, it, I, I feel that way. I know a lot of people feel that way. And here's the good thing. DC's grabbing from a lot of stuff. They got, a, what, five shows on the air? Yeah. Like, they're pulling a lot of characters from all over the place. So they're they're yanking whole chunks of stuff, which is really cool. DC, uh, Marvel's doing the same thing, right? you know? So that Batman assault on Arkham and the Justice League, those were in 2014 they came out? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. that's correct. Right. So real quick before you probably ask the next question, I just want to know, you moved to L.A. What yeah. year? Oh. 
I moved to L.A. Uh, 2002, 2000, okay. 2003, 2004. So are you still reading comics up to the point? Are you collecting still? I was collecting for a long, long time. I think in my 20s. Um, I was pretty broke and didn't have the money for comics. So, like, buddies would buy and I would read them or I'd go to the store and I'd read them. And then in, in, as I as I started to make more money, I would go back and buy. Yeah. So as I moved here, um, I remember coming to Meltdown right. and Golden Apple and, like, finding these places because they were also hubs for meeting people that were like-minded and, and connecting with folks that you could talk this kind of stuff and aren't going to look at you when you say – Jam Dematis or, or or mention a name like they kind of know who you're talking about. Right. Um, so I started getting back into it. And then when I got to um, work on some of these things and they started like sending me books for free, I was oh, yeah. like, this is great. Yeah, talk about that first package that you got. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was that? Like? Well, you mean like from D? Well, they yeah. were, when they said we're, we're going to send you um, Origins, like Justice League Origins, they sent mm-hmm. me all the, the single books and i was like this is great and then when i got the job i said to alan well you know in order for me to really dive into these voices i need all the books and he's like well we sent you all the books i was like no no i need azarello's wonder woman i need grant morrison's superman i need like all of them because Mm -hmm. i need to see what each of these people are doing in their own books Mm -hmm. because i'm distilling like I'm relaunching the continuity and animation for the new 52. So this is a big deal. And, and those voices have carried to now. So that was a really big job. And I, I wanted to make sure I was being true to how they were portraying them. So you got that package. I did. I got that package. (laughs) I got that package with all sorts of uh, comics. And I was like, I mean, was that crazy? And they messengered it. That was the other thing. They messengered it. And I was like, you're okay. like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> nothing else happens. This is it. I got messengered comics. I got comics. messengered comic books. Nice. Wow. Uh, and then off of that, uh, uh, Alan Burnett introduced me to uh, Eddie Braganza, who was my editor on uh, Bizarro, um, at a Comic-Con in 2013, 2013. And uh, he was looking for Alan to do a eight-page Superman story. And and Alan's like, I can't do it, but we like Heath, so why don't you let Heath do it? And Eddie met me and was super busy at Comic-Con and was like, yeah, 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 nice to meet you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I kept following up with him for like a year until finally we were doing Throne of Atlantis um, press in New York Comic-Con. And this was before DC moved. And I bumped into Eddie again, and I contacted him, and I was like, look, I'm going to be in town. Can I pitch you ideas? And he was like, sure, you could pitch me a bunch of ideas. And I had a whole list of, like, characters I wanted to do something. Because I said, like, what are you guys doing? Who are you looking to do something with? And he's like, I can't tell you that. I was like, I'm just (laughs) pitching into the dark. And he's like, yeah. So I had a whole bunch of ideas of, like, really down the middle. Like, I would love to do Dead Man. I would love to do... Blue in the gold. I would love to do like really just normal characters. And then at the bottom, I was sitting in traffic in LA and I was like, you know what I've never seen is a road trip 
comic book for a long time. Like, I, I think I kind of remember some, but I haven't seen one for a while. And I was like, who would be funny to go on a road trip? And I was like, oh, my God, Bizarro. Like, how <laughs> funny would a Bizarro road trip? Because I think I saw something that was like Route 66 called – it was Bizarro America. And I was like, of course Bizarro on a road trip across – like the weirdest parts of America. <laughs> and then I was like, who goes on a road trip with Bizarro? And I was like, oh, Superman, Superman, Bizarro. And then I was like, oh, no, it's Jimmy Olsen. Mm. Like Jimmy Olsen and Bizarro. I was like, it's planes, trains, and automobiles with Jimmy Olsen and Bizarro. <laughs> and that was like popped in my brain. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this idea. But it was the last idea on my list because I was there's no way they're going to do this idea. No way at all. And so I start pitching Eddie, and he's like, that's great, that's great, that's great. Um, do you have a Bizarro idea? And I was like, shut up. <laughs> like, out of the blue, he asked. I guess they were already talking to Gustavo, and maybe that was something he wanted to do. But all the pitches were like, man monster. Mm-hmm. Like, no one understands the man monster Bizarro. And that really isn't Gustavo's style. Like, his stuff is really fun and cartoony right. and great. And I said, it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Bizarro and Jimmy Olsen. Which, if you're not reading this book, go to Meltdown. Get the trade. The trade <laughs> comes out February 4th. Um, you can tweet at me at HeathCorson. Uh, at Heath Corson. Let me know what you think. Um, it's super funny. I promise you. There's a ton of guest stars in it. Um, we meet uh, Jonah Hex's great-great-granddaughter, great, Chastity. We meet um, Zatanna, who Bizarro runs up against Zatanna and sees her show and realizes he can understand everything she's saying because she does her spells backwards. backwards. <laughs> and, and Bizarro tries and becomes a very powerful backwards magician. Um, we meet Kilowog's uh, cousin, Tallywag, in a uh, space alien prison. Um, it's hilarious. It's really, really fun stuff. So uh, check it out. The very first villain is a used car salesman in Smallville uh, <laughs> named um, Regis King Tut- Tuttle, who is the pharaoh of pharaoh deals of Smallville. Wow. Uh, so is that your first comic that you wrote? first comic I ever did. Wow. So you did the animation first. Yes. And that just got you into the comics. Yes. Which is, seems like pointed, the opposite way. I pointed to the trailer that they were running in the DC booth and I was like, you guys are letting me do that. Why don't you let me do a book? Mm. And they were like, all right, well, what do you got? And so we happened to hit on that thing and uh, on Bizarro and I'm, I had the best, I had the best time working on that book. Really? Um, and so I'm, I'm, you got more comics? There's something in the works that I can't talk about can't yet, talk but there is something in the works that I really hope works out um, for both me and Gustavo right. uh, again. So we might get to go do something else. So would comics be an ideal uh, profession to continue on in? I think or comics is like... something I would always love to keep one foot in no matter what I do. Just like I tell Alan – because Alan will call me and say, like, oh, I know, because I'm working on a TV show right now. I'm staffed on Scream for MTV. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, so I'm on that. <laughs> awesome. Um, That's a good and show. <laughs> listen, Alan calls me and is like, I know you're on a show, but like, are you interested in doing it? And I go, Alan, anything you ever want. Like, anything. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I w- it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If you call me, I will do something for you. Um, just because I like working with that guy and I love his take on the characters and his take on story and I will bend over backwards. Same thing with comics. I feel like no matter what I do, if I could keep one foot in comics just because I so passionately grew up with 
that culture and now to be a small part of it yeah. and like to know like Tom King and Steve Orlando and David Walker and Jeff King and uh, the Finches and all these people that like we all went to DC camp together mm. you know like they literally had a big talent summit when I fir- like I hadn't written a word and they were like well we want to invite you to this talent summit and I, I literally had nothing and I'm meeting like, oh, this is Scott Snyder. Oh, here's Greg Pack and Alan Cooter, uh, Aaron Cooter. And I was like, holy crap. Like, mm. you guys are for real. Like, <laughs> I met Brendan Fletcher and just unbelievable people That's that are great. like the nicest community. Like, I, I tell everybody, like, one of the best things about being a small little part of D.C. is is the community. The people that you get to meet. Like, I got to sit down the first day with, like, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor and be like, Hey, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, I'm doing a humor book. Like, what, can, what, what can you tell me? What can you mm-hmm. teach me? Because you guys are amazing, and 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 they walked me through like a whole bunch of stuff, and they're like, here's how you do it. Here's what you can do. Here's, and then they called me for when they did their Harley road trip, and they were like, Jimmy goes, hey, I, I, we want to have um, Jimmy and Bizarro in the road trip, like hitchhiking, and we want <laughs> we want uh, Harley to pick them up. For like a page and a half. And I was like, he, they go, would, would you write the page and a half? And I was like, great. He goes, okay, I'm going to send you what I wrote. Awesome. And I wrote it and I changed <laughs> it totally. I was like, because I put in a joke that I couldn't put in my book because it was right. all ages. And the joke was basically like, they're playing truth or dare. And Harley says to Bizarro, truth or dare, you guys are a couple, right? And Bizarro goes, truth. And he goes, no, no. He tells, says the things backwards. It's like, right, we're right, not. right, right. And uh, uh, and uh, Jimmy thought that was really funny. Yeah, that's good. And, and so I got to do all of that, and, and then he gave me a thank you, and I was like, "Come on, Jimmy that's, and Amanda, like that's, that's amazing. Like, they're the nicest people." Um, <laughs> what else? What else? Oh, I live the life of Riley, you guys. <laughs> I am well aware of what I get to do, and the and plus I got to because I do the Nerdist Writers uh, Panel Comics Edition. I got to yank all those people that I met, and I was like, "Hey, come and be interviewed with me and Ben Blacker and Adam Beechin and Len Wein, and we'll talk comics and how you get to how you write them and what do you bring to a character like Batman." That's been around for seventy five years. How do you find your voice and your exactly. take on them? Like, <laughs> that's really hard. And I mean, even with with what you're doing with that, from going from an adaptation to your own screenplay and having to recreate these characters in a way, how hard is it to? I mean, you have to follow Jeff Johns' Justice League origins, but bringing your own, I guess, style to the film. How hard was that to kind of transition and bring and not just do a straight right. adaptation word for word and make right. it your own? The the hardest part of that is finding the voice. Once you find the voice for me, it all starts clicking. So once I hear what my version of Green Lantern is going to sound like, I get it. And, like, I talked a lot with Alan about, like, Superman's a little – he's a blunt instrument in this. He's not really the blue, big blue boy scout. Right. You play a much more alien, much mm-hmm. more like he's the guy floating arms crossed with his eyes glowing red, like, and you're going, what is that guy thinking? Because that guy's an alien, and I'm really afraid of him. Right. And that's a little different, you know? You have a Batman that's never worked with these guys before, so they're going, does he kill people? Do does they disappear? Like, what's who is this guy? Is he a vampire? Mm-hmm. Like, we have no idea. And there's even a moment with Dasad where 
Batman grabs his knife and puts it to his neck, and he's like, you wouldn't do it. And now he has no idea who Batman is. And Batman says, wouldn't you? And Desaad would. So Desaad freaks out. So it's a real simple, like, it's, it became a real simple thing once I learned what those voices were. Okay. Um, does that, that's answer no, the question, yeah? No, yeah? No, yes, yeah. it does. Okay. And so you worked on Justice League War, and you did Assault on Arkham, and then you did Throne of Atlantis. Yes. And that was the next six books by Jeff John. Yes. So it was kind of the same thing, having to... And you got to do a lot of Aquaman. Are you a fan of Aquaman? I was always was... a big fan of Aquaman, okay. and I liked how Jeff made him cool. And so we talk <laughs> a lot about like making sure this guy was cool. And because he doesn't show up in... Justice League War, right? We were already like way off the rails for Throne of Atlantis because it's not—he's not the King of the Seven Seas. He's Arthur Curry on the day his father dies, and he has no idea who he is or his true heritage. So now we get to go on this adventure with Arthur to learn about Atlantis, to learn about Orm and his mother and Mara, and sort of get swept up into all of that for the very first time. Right. So that was a really cool thing to do. And also, I like the idea of this guy as a bruiser, like a barroom brawler yeah. who is just pissed. <laughs> he's got a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, he's he's a he's a drinker. And alcohol is a dehydrant. So the more he <laughs> drinks, the like the worse he feels like right. right away. And my first pitch to them was we open on Arthur Curry drunk in a seafood restaurant <laughs> with his head up against a lobster tank telling the lobster that he just buried his father. <laughs> and the hand goes in to grab it and right. he catches the hand. He's like, hey, we're talking. <laughs> And we laugh because we know who Aquaman is, but right. also, you know, it works for that character who's despondent and lost and doesn't have any idea uh, who he is. So that was the kind of things that I brought to that character. And I was excited to do that. Right. I, 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 I mean, to get to sort of create the lore of Aquaman was really a neat thing. Right. And for Justice League War and Justice League Origins, Aquaman had a bigger Major role. Part. So was... Planning for was it Throne of Atlantis? Planning for that is the reason why he was kind of left out of Justice League War, or what? The short sh answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> the longer answer is yes, and I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> so I had no idea that okay. they were doing Justice, that they were doing okay. Throne of Atlantis, because it wasn't, I don't even think it was published at the time I was working on War. Right. So I had no idea. I also didn't know that they were going to be linking the continuity until they hired me for that job. Okay. I was just lucky to get to do one and then I was like, oh, I get to do get two. To do another one. <laughs> and then they were like, you want to do three? And I was like, yeah. Okay. So I had no idea about that. But they did say we're not doing Aquaman because we're saving him. And my lineup swapped quite a bit as mm -hmm. I was working on the outline. Like at one point um, they swapped out Aquaman and then at another one they said um, – we're going to give you Shazam instead. And I was like, okay. And then they said, well, do you need the Flash? And I was like, yeah, I need the Flash. <laughs> and they're like, well, we need to see the outline to make sure you're earning the Flash. Because I guess maybe <laughs> the TV show was in the works. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But really, it's what's funny about working with some of these characters is you have, you're not privy to what the bigger view is I'm just doing my little part in the trenches. Right. So when I would get these things passed down, I was like... 
no, 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 I need, I need Flash, <laughs> you know. So it was stuff like that, and and once we, but but yeah, there was like a couple weeks where they would keep revolving the lineup, and I'd get calls that's like, yeah, you just lost Aquaman, and I was like, how did I lose Aquaman? So how like, did, yeah, we're does gonna that throw him. you off when you're oh, yes. <laughs> preparing the yes, script in a big way? Because Aquaman had a a large part just if you're just reading the comic itself. So putting Shazam in, which Shazam was great, but it's still kind of that's okay. What am I going to do with this yes. character now? Now, what was great is Shazam clicked really well with Cyborg. Yes, their relationship was, like, oh, was awesome. These guys are two sort of younger guys who right. feel like outsiders, and also Shazam doesn't have all the doubt that teenage Vic does. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who's like. What do you mean you don't feel like like this is you? Like, dude, you're awesome. You're victory. You know, you're right. that guy. I'm a fan of you as a football player. And and so that was nice uh, to have that character who could say those things. And because that really is Vic's story. It's Vic Stone, Cyborg's story. Right. Um, so it was nice to have that guy who's like, I believe in you. You absolutely should be here. So there's that moment where uh, they changed it, but it was one of my favorite moments where Shazam picks up a car, and I think it's in a fight now, and, like, he catches the car, or Shaz- uh, Cyborg catches the car. But at one point, it was Shazam just picks up a car and throws it at Cyborg, and Cyborg catches it, and he's like, see, dude, you're supposed to be here. And Cyborg <laughs>, laughs and puts the car down, and he goes, you know that's someone's car. <laughs> and he's like, nah, that's what insurance is for. <laughs> and they're like, that's a little too irresponsible for Shazam. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all right. Um, you also worked on the Batman Unlimited films, yeah. which I've seen both. I saw both of them, one, both at Comic-Cons. Yeah. And I loved them both. And I, I actually was wondering, because that started as a toy line, yep. right? So how did it get from we're doing a toy line to we want to make these, from these toys into animated films? It, it, exactly the way you just said it. Really? It was just, like, we, we want to make these films? toys. And I, I, I think, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have these toys. We might as well make some films off of them to help sell the toys okay. and, and maybe sell movies. So... I mean, in the vein of every good cartoon inspired by a toy line, G.I. Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, um, Jim, (laughs) He-Man, they're like, it comes from a very long line of branded entertainment, and they came to me, and I was like, it was very, it was, it was my first time really working with branded entertainment, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, I don't. I don't think I can do this. I don't think you're going to give me the freedom to do this. And they were like, "No, no, no we'll just start." What do you think? And I was like, "Okay, if I'm going to do something like this, I want to make it good. I want it to be. I want it to be honest. If we're going to be doing Batman, I want to do Batman." And what I loved, and the reason I took the job, is I went in to um, talk to the head of Warner Animation, and he said, "Look, every." Age deserves their version of Batman. And I was like, oh, that's true. And he's like, we don't have a Batman for young kids right now. Like, they deserve a Batman. And I thought, you know, I'd just gotten off the phone with my sister, who's got two, I have two nephews. And my nephews at the time were five and seven. 
and my sister called and said, you know, your nephews are like, hey, you work in animation, you work with superheroes, <laughs> but we can't watch anything oh, that you right. do yeah. no, it's because so they're true. too old. I was like, you can't, they can't really watch Justice League War because they stab out Darkseid's <laughs> eyes. And, like, you can't watch Assault on Arkham because there's, like, sex and violence. Right. And, and so I was like, oh, that's true. So I thought... You know, I'm gonna write it for my nephews. I need to write it for my nephews. I need to write something for those kids who like want a Batman. So I thought, well, that's cool. Let's make this as good as we possibly can. Like, let's do this version of Batman. So I got to do both of those Batman Unlimiteds, which was Penguin and then the Joker, right? For Um, animals, and which these great teams that uh, the head of Warner Animation was like. Let's do these villains that would never team up ever right. and do fun versions. And I was like, that's great. So we have the Animalitia, right. and then you get the sort of like spooky monster squad, um, <laughs> the Boo Crew, right? Um, that both of which were great fun to work on. Now creating the stories for those because it it's not just it's not an adaptation. You kind of are just making your own thing. Yeah. How did you go from okay the toys and action figures to a full length like story? I, I bet I bet first thing was <laughs> you must send me a whole box of all the toys. <laughs> I got none of the toys. They you didn't me get I need to I play with them toys. and create my own <laughs> scenes. I know, first. right? I got none of the toys. That's what? nonsense. That by is way. crazy. I got none of them. So. <laughs> It's funny because it all sort of circles back around to the Blue Ribbon Digest and the Silver Age team-ups. Yeah. Because I thought those are really – I remember those being really fun. I remember them being really good for kids Mm -hmm. where they would go after a bunch of villains and it would be the League or Batman and they'd always have to split up. And it would always be like one villain versus one hero and how do they – get each other how do they undermine each other and how do they beat each other but like all these guys are working together um and they had ideas of like which heroes they wanted for each one but i was like this is great this this really feels like a silver age team up to me right yeah something out of like a brave and the bold it was very much a brave (laughs) and the bold definitely yeah (laughs) um so that those were incredibly fun to get to do as well and and totally different tone Right, it is. And what I really liked was that not only was Batman in it, but Nightwing and Red Robin were in yeah. it. Yeah. Which you, didn't, you don't really see that team up in animation. So that was like one of the first times you get to see them all together. Yeah. So where did, what did any like comic, like a Nightwing comic or a Red Robin comic like inspire you to make those characters since you didn't really see them in other you know, I, I really liked the the way that they portrayed those characters on uh, Batman the Animated Series. And I okay. always loved it yeah. when Nightwing came back. And, and I thought yeah. that was really neat. And being an older brother with a younger brother, I was like, this is a really neat relationship here. Right. Because both, nobody knows what these guys go through except for a very small group of Robins. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes. they're, they're, they're really a it's like a brotherhood exactly they're the only people who know what it's like to be the apprentice to this guy yes and it and it really is like an older brother younger brother relationship and i thought that was really neat um one of my favorite moments is uh when nightwing is up against scarecrow and he looks at the mirrors and he says you know i know what you're afraid of you're afraid of you know becoming the very thing that you fear and it's him seeing himself as all the different versions of Nightwing and then eventually Batman Batman right and that's the thing that Dick never wanted to become which was a little sophisticated for for that age right but I also believe like you don't talk down to kids and 
you play up because kids always want to reach for the next idea and and you don't you don't give them the low hanging fruit yeah. you make them think a little right. bit right don't play and, the kids cheap they can exactly. think for themselves they can figure things out exactly um so it was really fun. and also i wanted those those movies to feel like a saturday morning cartoon you know like yeah. when yeah yeah but yeah that much different tone than the other films but it's still all like the whole line of dc animated movies they're all so done so brilliantly well i mean it's great fun yeah it is i've so far i haven't seen a dc animated film that i haven't enjoyed and it's coming from such a long line of amazing films even starting from the animated series like mask of the phantasm is one of just my favorite films exactly (laughs) so yeah so is there going to be another movie in the batman unlimited series in the future, I'm sure. There, it, I'm sure. I don't know. Don't I'm know? sure there okay. will. I'm not working on any more of those, which okay. is a bummer. Oh. Um, <laughs> I can say that I'm doing something with Warner Animation, but okay. I, I can't. You can't. I can't okay. talk about what it is yet. Right. But um, <laughs> they, they, I'm not about to let them off the hook <laughs> and, and not hire me. So there's something coming down the pipeline that okay. you'll see that I had a I had a big hand in. Okay, um, but that's. About all I can say till maybe this time next year. Okay, that's that's. I know animation takes forever. When I wrote these movies, like one after another, they were like, I think I wrote them in like 2012, Mm -hmm. and they were like, "All right, we'll see you in 2014." And I was like, "What?" They're like, "Oh, by the way, you can't tell anybody that you did these." And I was like, (laughs) "What?" Like yeah, that way. I was like, 2012 is going to be 2014 is going to be a big year for me. And then they didn't even come out till 2015. No, they came out 2014. Which ones? Uh, Just League War. Oh, right, right. And Assault on no, I meant the other right. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah. Well, so when did you start working on the Batman Unlimited? Then um, that was it was too- soon that came after. Out last year. Yeah, there was it was like right after Throne of Atlantis. Okay. Uh, they moved me onto those, and then I did a Tom and Jerry meets a uh, uh, Johnny Quest, nice. which is called Spy Quest. <laughs> How did that come <laughs> I about? Know. Oh, my, I, they just called and said, "Hey, will you will you you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, Tom <laughs> and Jerry, sure. And then I did a awesome. Lego Scooby Doo that I think runs on Boomerang. Oh. Um, I, I mean, I, I I don't believe it when they call me and say like, "Hey, do you have a take on this?" I'm like, right, "Sure." Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo, and Batman used to team up. I know. That was for the kids. I know. We're gonna Scooby see to another team one. Up with everybody. Oh man, they were globe trotters. Yeah. Remember those? Trotters, great. Uh, um, yeah, Sonny and Cher. That's right. Like wow. Everybody. You know, the those, monkeys. Those are some crimes that yeah. needed to be solved. Yeah. You never know when the monkeys can help them. Yeah. Um, well, besides JLI that you discussed, is there another book that you would want to adapt to an animated film or a short that um, that's like one of your favorites and you just would want to see it? In a short or a I would love, I, I mean, I would love to do um, Teen Titans. Okay. I love Titans. I know they're <laughs> yeah. doing something with Titans and, like, that's awesome. That's cool. Um, okay. Captain Carrot. Captain Carrot. <laughs> I, I, I pitch Captain Carrot a lot. JLI, I would, 
I mean, look, I would love to do like Batman the Long Halloween. <gasps> I don't know that I'm the guy that they're going to come to to do Batman the Long <laughs> Halloween, but like I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, well, I can imagine the animation for that would be oh, awesome. That would be, be astounding. Yes. Like that's one of my favorite stories Mine too. of all time. <laughs> like just the Tim Sale artwork is yes. it's spectacular. Well, big shout out to Melt Cast 3.0 Aristotle's in the house, but they did a whole book club about the Long Halloween. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, nice. yeah, and London and appeared I was on a that. Guest. Yeah, nice. That's one of my favorite books. I love too. that book. Um, I like doing stuff with like a little bit of a sense of humor, so that's why mm-hmm. JLI like works for me. Um, I would love to do a Legion of Superheroes. I I I'd love to see Bizarro in animation <laughs> somewhere. Uh, he's super fun to play with. Right. Um, Forever Evil would be really cool to do, just because I like bad guys. <laughs> uh, I like them running up against each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blue and the Gold. I'm a big Blue and the Gold fan, because I like those guys. Okay. Uh, do you have any desire to work on a Marvel stuff? or are Yes. You, are you solely I would love DC? to. Who do you know? Send me over. Uh, <laughs> let me, let, give me a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? I don't know. Damn. Is it? <laughs> Apparently, it's how it worked for you. Um, yeah, I would love to work on Marvel. What, what Marvel character would you most be psyched to work Great on? question. You know, my <laughs> um, my friend David Walker uh, is doing Power Man and Iron Fist, and I was like, oh. Like, I felt like. <laughs> for animation? Man. No, for uh, uh, the comic. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, that's rad. Like, <laughs> Heroes for Hire, Power Man and Iron Fist is fantastic. If you could do um, a 70s-inspired animated film for that, that would be off the charts. Spectacular. Kind of like a Ralph Bakshi almost version. Yes. Um, I'll tell you some things that I would like to do a uh, reboot of for for Marvel. I would love to get into Power Pack. Are you talking animation or are you talking just comics? Uh, Comics. Okay. Just do the comic. I would love to do Power Pack. Um, Howard the Duck was one of my favorite books of all time. (laughs) And oddly enough, I'll tell you, this was one of the weirdest stories ever. So I'm in I'm a I'm in middle school and I'm reading Howard the Duck. And my dad walks by and he double takes. And he goes, Howard the Duck. I go, yeah. And he's like, Steve Gerber. I was like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I know Steve. And I was like, what do you mean you know Steve? He's like, Stevie Gerber. Stevie Gerber and I grew up together in St. Louis. What? It's like, shut up, Dad. <laughs> Steve Gerber's cool. You don't know Steve Gerber. <laughs> he's like, he's like, all right, well, look it up. I look it up. It turns out, yeah, Steve Gerber's from St. Louis. My dad went to middle school, like wow. went to junior high with Steve Gerber. <laughs> so I find this is like 1990, 91, 94. And I, like, find Steve Gerber on AOL. And I, like, email Steve Gerber, like, this whole, like, fan letter. And I was like, my dad says he knows you. There's no way my dad, you know my dad. And Steve Gerber writes back. He's like, I know Bruce Corson, little Brucey Corson. He's like, Bruce and I were in the Cub Scouts together. Like, oh, my God, tell your dad hi. And, like, I show that to my dad. My dad's like, Steve smoked a lot of drugs. Like, I was never in the Cub Scouts. Wow. I was like, of course he did. He's writing Howard the Duck. Uh, and Steve Gerber invited me to come out to meet him in Las Vegas, and and I was I was I was talking to him when I first moved out to L.A. and I was going to drive out to Vegas, and it was always one of those things like, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, and then he passed, and I never got to go out there and meet him, and I had an open invitation, and that was such a heartbreak for me. Um, 
West Coast Avengers. Would love to do West, like wow. a version of the West Coast Avengers. Now <laughs> nice. knowing L.A., I would yeah. love to do some version of that. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, I would love to work on one of their properties for television or film. I think they do a great job. I'm, I was actually uh, developing uh, a television show with Physicas and Butters, who do um, Agent Carter, and uh, I kept being like, "Hire me for Agent Carter. I'll do that. <laughs> like, just work on this." Any independent stuff that you would do? Any stories that you saw that you say? Um, I have creator-owned stuff that I would like to do, but I think I need to do more work first. You know, like I think I need to understand the medium and get better at it. Like Mm -hmm. I think I'm – I I have an understanding from being a fan, but there's tricks of the trade that like clearly you just – you you learn the medium from doing. Right. And I think that I am get better and stronger. And it's a different experience because I got really spoiled working with Gustavo, who is a partner. <laughs> like, Gustavo is like, we had never met. DC put us together. But then he's from Brazil and uh, uh, speaks amazing English. And we text all the time. So when we were working on Bizarro, we would text, like, every day. And he'd ask me, like, questions or he'd pitch jokes to me. And I'd pitch jokes back. i go, what do you think about this? Um, and I'd, I'd like deep pull characters, and he was like, you are an uber nerd. That's what he kept calling me, the uber Because <laughs> um, I'd pitch him characters that he'd never heard of his entire life. And I was like, Jonah Hex is not a deep cut, Gustavo. Like, I don't know if you've never got it over there. But, uh, but it was great working with an artist who was a, a 50-50 partner. And it's not always that relationship. So I think I need to get... Try with some other people and and see how that experience is. Because uh, listen, I've heard horror stories. I've heard great stories right. of people who love working with their artists. It's it's a little like in anything like TV and film. Like when you have a a, a team that you like, you don't like to break that up. Like you find a a, a cameraman or a, a, an AD who's your guy. Like that's your guy because you can rely on him and you get a shorthand together. Um, so it's nice when that sort of thing happens. So. I'm a huge fan of Gustavo and what he can do, and I've been very, very spoiled. <laughs> you, you've heard horror stories. Have you had any in any no, of your comics? No, I mean, I haven't had any with uh, me and Gustavo were in the trenches together. And but so... any comic-related stuff, any films, anything related to comic books? Because it just it, – you really, it sounds like a fairy tale here. I know. I mean, I, I want to be you man, right now. I bring that. I bring that stuff. Um, I will tell you that one of the hardest things, I, I'll tell you this story that was, that was uh, I could only take it from Alan Burnett, is Alan called me about Assault on Arkham. Um, and this was maybe three weeks before, or like a, two weeks or a week maybe before the final script had to be in. And he was like, good news, bad news. And I was like, all right, what's the bad news? He's like, bad news is we're throwing out the third act. And I was like, what's the good news? And he's like, good news is I know how to fix it. And he's like, here's how we fix it. And he laid out exactly what we were going to do. And, like, I had to re- re- re-break and rewrite the almost the entire third act. And I'm wow. like, okay, that's stressful. Like, right. But, you know, when you work, with, work for someone like Alan, he's like, you got this. It's cool. Like, here's how we're going to do it. It's X, Y, Z. And you go... Oh, well, that's amazing. That's better. <laughs> like, thank you for that. Like, are you sure my name should still be on this? Because you just completely fixed this whole thing. Um, other than that, I, I haven't had any real horror stories. 
Good. Is there an artist that you would want to work with in the future on a comic? That's a great question. Um, I would love to do something with Kevin McGuire, uh. who's like the guy who... <laughs> That's who I was thinking about the whole time you're talking about. <laughs> right? Reality. Yeah. That would be like... Itchy McGuire. I mean, I think his stuff is so good. I'm such a huge fan. Um, there's other people that I just think are, are fantastic, but mm-hmm. I'm just like... Like Capullo and 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 Cooter and just these amazing amazing folk that I'm just like oh, there's no way I'm gonna get to work with those. <laughs> uh, Francis Manipal I think is oh, spectacular. Yes, definitely. Um, I love Francis's stuff. Yeah. And I just think he's outstanding. Uh, I would love to collaborate with someone like that. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, since I know, I'm a... spoiled. I'm spoiled, yeah. right? I'm <laughs> no, so spoiled. No, but you've spoiled. had all these great experiences, so there's no reason to complain. I know. <laughs> you know what it is? You just keep moving forward and doing other – do stuff. And if something falls below your expect, look, it ties into something that I said with the Batman Unlimited. Like it is on me if I take a job to do the best I possibly can mm-hmm. because it's really easy to – in the mouth of something and be like, oh, it's a bunch of toys. Like, Batman Unlimited is a toy line. (laughs) This doesn't have to be very good. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that. That just doesn't work for me because I know there's an audience like my nephews out there that uh, that are like who I was when I was young. And I was watching stuff that was good quality stuff. So I don't want to be a part of the machine that's going to crank out something that I can't... It isn't the best work I could possibly do. So... I pride myself on that. And no matter what job you take, like if you don't think you can do the best job, turn it down. Mm -hmm. Say I can't do that. And I've turned stuff down that I love that I was like, that's I'm not going to be able. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who's going to deliver you the best version of that thing that you're asking. So you need to go somewhere else. And it breaks your heart because everybody wants to be wanted. And it's the hardest thing to do out here in Hollywood when – Jobs are can be few and far between to have somebody who goes, here, you want this? You go, oh, my God, it's shiny. It's beautiful. I would love to play with that, but I'm not your guy. And that's part of growing up and being an artist. Um, so, What's, the, what's the Halo project that you just worked on? The Halo project I did is a dig, is a is a basically a series um, in the world of Halo, and it is the secret origin of Master Chief. Um, so it is the beginnings of Master Chief uh, as a as a kid, and that got packaged and put on the video game Halo Five. Nice. <laughs> so that was another like huge IP that I got to play with. That they were like, "Hey, you want to tell the secret origin of Master Chief?" And I was like, "Yes, please." <laughs> like as a gamer, I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that." Like that's awesome. So how much are you writing now? I'm writing quite a bit. I mean, I'm on this TV show, so I'm in I'm in the writers' room all day, and then I um I I have some other things floating around that I'm trying to move the needle on. Um, in addition to that, like I'm developing some television shows. I'm I'm trying to work on some comics. Excuse me. Um, so it's 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 a lot. And how do you how do you have the time to play the video games? Um, <laughs> I have to make time. Like, it's the way I unwind. Oh, okay. I, literally, like, when I come home, I, I have to, like, I'm going to do Assassin's Creed for an hour just to, like, zone out and do something mindless, you right. know? <laughs> so I have to. I have to do it. But I can't 
play a game when I have a big script due. Right. Because I get so into it, I won't. I won't <laughs> write the script. Like I'm a real sort of addictive personality that way. So mm. I won't. I won't. I won't actually do the work. Are you into any comics right now? A certain series or anything? Or- yes, I'm a huge Astro City. Oh, Astro City uh. is a. I would love to do. Uh, some sort of anim- okay. uh, adaptation of Astro City. Like, yeah. that was always one that I was beating the drum on. I was like, let's do Astro. Like, why isn't Astro City your HBO series? <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Like, that is unbelievable. Same thing with Fables. Like, why haven't you done Fables? Like, come on, let's do this. Um, wait, what was the question? Does, what what yeah. am I reading? Astro City I'm reading. I'm still reading Batman. Okay. Um, I, I read a bunch of the... Um, Sheriff of uh, Babel. I'm mean, a bunch of the DC stuff is what I was going to say because mm-hmm. I can go over there and they'll they'll give me some free stuff. But also nice. I go and read it. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading the New Dark Knight. Okay. Uh, Sheriff of Babylon. I mean, Tom King is a, a killer writer. Yes. Like one of the best yes. people out there. Like he's so good that he makes me angry. <laughs> like Grayson is fantastic. Vision is fantastic. Sheriff of uh, Babylon is fantastic. Like all this stuff is great. Um, same thing with Steve Orlando. I love his Midnighter. Oh, I yeah. love his take on that. I think it's great. Um, I was reading um, – what else was I – oh, I, I read all of Brendan Fletcher's stuff. I read Gotham Academy. I read uh, Batgirl. I loved Batgirl. Yeah. I love, love, love Batgirl. Like so fresh and fun and character forward. It just yes. really – and it – it moves like his storytelling is so condensed and awesome and just spectacular. Yeah. Um, same thing with Black Canary, um, Constantine. I'm a big Hickman fan, so I read uh, Manhattan Projects is one of my favorites. Aristotle's nodding. Manhattan Projects, <laughs> is unbelievable. And then of course Secret Wars. I was following Secret Wars. Um, Thief of Thieves. Kirkman does Thief, Thief of Thieves, which yeah. I really mm-hmm. like. Um, Lazarus. I love that. I love that. Um, I was reading Velvet, too, for a while. Uh-huh. That's a good one. I like that one. Um, you Walking Dead? You into that? No. My brother was is way Walking Dead. Like, way, way into it. Mm. Um, I, I always thought the comic was so great. Comic's great. That's what I I'm drop, talking about. I drop into the comic every once in a while, but, like, I realize, like... Oh, I don't know what happened. Like right. I'm missing yeah, that, whole... that one. If you don't know, if you don't know. Yeah, like you're to... lost. Yeah. Um, same thing happened to me with Irredeemable. Uh, not Irredeemable. Um, uh, what's the other Kirkman one? Invincible. Mm. Um, which I yeah. got into early, and then and then sort of dropped off and tried to go back. And then, do you ever do any of the samurai stuff like Lone Wolf and Cub? Yeah, I have all the Lone Wolf. And Isn't Cub. that the best? I love Lone Wolf. Wolf and oh Cub. my god! Uh, that, awesome. I. I'm buying the new omnibus ones just so I can reread them. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorites. I love of all that. time. I love that. Yeah, all right, cool, um, Ant Man. I like I like Nick Spencer. I like the, what he does on Ant Man. I loved his. Um, what was the one he did before that? He did. Oh, uh, Superior Foes. Okay. I thought Superior <laughs> Foes of Spider Man was one of the best yeah. books I read that year. That um, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl is so goddamn charming. <laughs> it makes me it's another one that makes me angry how good that book is. I'm just like the art is great, the the the, the jokes are funny. That's that seems like a character you would be I, who you would oh, love to I write. Love that character. <laughs> well, I, I remember when Dan Slott wrote um he actually I have pitched this idea to uh, Marvel Television, and they looked at me like I was crazy, <laughs> which was um, Great Lakes Avengers. 
Do you remember Great Lakes Avengers? Dan Slott, there's a, there's a mini series out mm-hmm. there called The Great Lakes Avengers, okay. which is about a bunch of guys like in, I want to say Iowa, who get an Avengers uh, franchise. And Squirrel Girl was one of them. Okay. That's where Squirrel Girl came from. And it's like a whole bunch of them that, that are like, we're superheroes. And they have, and they're literally the, the Great Lakes, the Avengers of the Great Lakes. Maybe it's it was called Misassembled. Yeah, well, that was the second yeah, yeah. series oh, right, where right, they, right. they broke them apart. Um, and I just thought that was one of the funniest things. And I said to Marvel Television, I was like, Great Lakes Avengers. Like, it's, it's a sitcom <laughs> with these And they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. And I was like, all right, well, what about damage control? And they're like, oh, maybe damage control. Um, that was another one. But I remember Dan Slott did that. He did a thing. He did a great thing run. Um, I still read his Spider-Man. I think that guy's amazing. He's ama- He's got an amazing mind uh, and, and so fun. What else am I reading? I read a lot now that I'm you actually. You do, yeah. man. I'm like, talking. I don't know how you do anything. And you got kids, right? No, no kids. No kids? Not that I know of. <laughs> okay. Um, no kids. Uh, just, just nephews. Just testing, nephews yeah. and, and niece. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I have the Marvel Unlimited app, which I love, but it also makes me, like, not buy stuff sometimes because I'm like, oh, wait six months for it to go on, show right. up on the app. So I sometimes do that. Oh, Daredevil. Mark Wade's Daredevil. And now uh. Sewell's Daredevil. Charles Sewell is another one of yeah. those writers who I'm like Fantastic. him and Cullen Bunn. Like you go, I how are you writing anymore. eleven books? Like I'm going to kick you in the head. <laughs> and Sewell is a full time lawyer. That's what I am too. Are you a full time lawyer yeah. as well? How do you have time? <laughs> I don't know. How are you sitting here doing this? Uh, you, you you bring out the best, man. <laughs> what about movies? Are you into? Are you excited about? Batman versus Superman? I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic. I want it to be really good. Me too. Um, <laughs> London will find it to be good. London <laughs> finds the best in really? everything. She is amazing. <laughs> I, swear, I swear, everything, there's nothing. She will find the good in That's whatever astounding. is created. <laughs> That's astounding. I'll tell you what I'm excited about in it. I, I can't wait to see... Uh, ben Affleck's Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Wonder Woman. Yes. I'm really excited to see the new Aquaman. Yes. Because I, I like that Jason Momoa, and I think he's going to be bad. Sad. Yeah. Um, wasn't that great in Conan? He was not. I didn't see it. Well, mm-hmm. there you go. Just all right. Yeah. But uh, I like this take that they're having on Aquaman, though. I yeah. think it's going to be really cool. I yeah. think it's going to be cool. Uh, I'm a big Lex Luthor guy, you know, as, yes. as bald guys <laughs> tend to be. But he's not bald. Oh, he is. Oh. He will be. Um, I have, uh, like, I don't collect any really figures or action figures or anything. I have a Justice League Unlimited Lex Luthor, and I have a Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, uh. like a huge, like, 18-inch with uh, swappable hair. <laughs> because Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor is one of my favorite things on the planet. I love Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that movie. I'm rooting for it. I will tell you, I am, on the other hand, loving the DC on television. Like, yes. The Flash, Flash is has such heart, and it's so much fun, and they're throwing everything into that. Like, everything. Like, like a character on Flash, he's probably going to show up. <laughs> I love that. It's so much fun. And Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl's adorable. What are your thoughts on Gotham? 
was not a Gotham fan. I I think Batman without Batman is a really hard thing to accomplish. Yes. And and that was my issue with the first season Mm -hmm. was that it really felt like a lot of like characters looking at each other going like, someday someone should clean up this city. (laughs) And I was like, I get it. Batman's coming. Uh, But I've heard that in the second season, like it's really taken off and they've allowed like, they've, they've, done a lot more with these characters than sort of kept them them on the rails. Yeah. So that's cool. Maybe I'll jump back in. I like the guy who does Should he jump back in, London? I think so. I think if you've seen the first season, I think you'll be more pleased with what's in the second season. Yeah. So I would recommend, if you can, I love... The the um the penguin guy. I think the guy who yes. plays the penguin is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I Robin really Lord love... Taylor. He's awesome. And that character yeah. is really drawn interesting. The the actor is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Riddler. I like what they're doing with Riddler. Yes. So uh, those two characters are big standouts for me. Okay. But everybody else sort of like it feels like we're feels like we're ahead of the story, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. You know, because right. I'm like, we get it. We know who you grow up to be. Um, But that's sort of what I like about the Barbara Keene storyline is we're going like, wait, is she a bad guy? Who's she going to be? It's totally different, which I kind of like, too. What's your theory? Do you think she grows up to be somebody? Like, is she Harley? I've heard that theory, and Uh it's a possibility, but I would really like her to be someone kind of new. I would like to see a, a just a show developed character since yeah. it's so radically different from her persona in the comics. I would like to see something new. But I agree. yes, I've heard a lot of people say that a lot of parallels to Harley, which I can see too. And I wouldn't be so disappointed if there was a version of Harley that she becomes. But seeing someone completely different, I would yeah. be really interested to for them to do, do you that. think we're going to do a time jump and have him be a teenager? Like, uh, I was thinking about that. Yeah. And uh, I don't Doesn't, know. Do, you like, you like baby Bruce. Yeah. All right. And I, and I, and it feels like they are just slowly going to progress with him. So if they're going to do that, just do it. Right. Don't, don't jump it. Just, right. Just go for All it. Right. If that's so, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. I'll check it back. I'll check back in. Okay. And if you have, have time. If I know. I Between. don't have the, the, that. I, yeah. <laughs> if you have time. If I have time you should for that one. check out season two. I'm watching everything else. <laughs> I mean, Legends, I love, I'm really excited for Legends of Tomorrow. Me too. Like, because you know, we're going to get everything. Yes. You're, you're going to get Booster Gold. I mean, we're going to get, they're going to throw every character they can in there. You're going to get, probably get Jonah Hex. Like, it's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to jump into every time frame where, I mean, are we going to get Sergeant Rock? Are we going to get. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled and delighted. <laughs> All right, real quick, just a personal thing for me because my favorite character is Daredevil. Yes. Did you like the Netflix series? Yes, I do like the <laughs> Netflix series. I I thought the Netflix series was fantastic. I thought the Jessica Jones Netflix series yeah. was fantastic. I think those guys are two for two for those, yeah. those series. I thought they're grounded and visceral and uh, the, the story like just – drives it just drives you through i will say if it were me i would lose there's always like three uh wheel spinning episodes so i would i would make it a 10 issue episode order instead of 13 Mm -hmm. Um, but i see why they're like that but i thought jessica jones was like breathless i thought it was amazing awesome and i i i dug the daredevil well there you go i dug the daredevil (laughs) hard i thought that guy was great the guy who played Daredevil? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. 
I agree. Yeah, I agree. I loved it. So it's it's great, right? And, and I then just Scott think Scott is stick. Like, come on. Yeah, I just I feel like when you do TV, it really lets the characters develop. That's right. And that's the way comic books really are. That's right. Movies are great, but it is hard. You're trying to push in too much, and it doesn't let it breathe. Right. And that's where I think TV just does such a great job. So if you can nail down the TV, right. And do it right. It's it's unstoppable. It's unbeatable. I, it's almost the most enjoyable way to consume superheroes. Because you just spent thirteen hours with somebody, or right. twenty two hours, or twenty four hours in the notion of Flash, like mm-hmm. rather than oh two hours or an hour and a half, like. Right. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I want more Quicksilver. Like I, mean, I didn't get enough of this guy that I like. Like. You know what I mean? Like, any, any superhero movie that has more than three characters, everyone says, "Oh, they tried to cram too much in." Because it because it feels that way because you didn't get the emotional beats that right. you're hungering for. And look, I've written a bunch of animated movies right. where we crammed a bunch of people right. in, and you try to service them as much as you can. And I know that people are like, "No, I wanted more Batman," right. or "No, I wanted more Green mm-hmm. Lantern," or "I wanted more my." I wanted more Wonder Woman. I wanted more of my person. Right. And they're not wrong. They're you, right. Right. You do know, you, you everybody wants more of the thing that they love. Right. With animation, though, do you think you have more freedom than, say, the big blockbuster? Oh, without a doubt. I, w- I was on a panel at Comic-Con, and I was sitting next to, like, Mark Guggenheim, and, and, and uh, somebody was doing one of the movies, and, and I was like, look, I'm writing stuff that you would need a $5 million budget to do because I'm <laughs> smashing up the world, you know? Like, I'm having Superman go through 18 buildings, and then they're all crumbling behind him. Like, it's so it's it's super difficult to do that kind of thing. So, And I don't have to worry about budget right. because right. they're going to draw whatever we write and what we agree with. Yeah, right. So in that sense, it's, it's fantastic to get to work in animation and yeah. get to do that kind of stuff. Sounds like that's a lot of freedom. It is. Is it more like comics, more akin to comics? Yeah. Awesome. You guys, this was great. Thank you so much for <laughs> I coming know. in. Thank oh, you. This is fantastic. It's my pleasure. Hopefully you'll come in again. Sure. Yeah. When next next big uh, thing or next small thing. It really doesn't matter. I love it. Yeah. Of course. You're like a great friend of Meltdown. You host shows here. You hosted Dude. the Lord of the Lights, right? I did. That was awesome. I did. That, that was way fun. That was a great show. Wasn't that trippy? Yes. I loved it. <laughs> it was such a weird night. Like and talking to that guy about about his take on Kirby and yeah. stuff was like it was it was out there. Right. But it was very it was cool. Really, yes, it was very Which, cool. you know, basically brings me to the fact that Meltdown is just doing such cool stuff. And you should always, listeners, check out meltcomics.com because we've got tons of stuff happening here. Every night there's programming, um, there's comedy which Meltdown every Wednesday night is our top show. you got to get here early. We've got the Meltdown Media Network. You could go on MeltComics.com. It's also on iTunes. we got other great podcasts and YouTube shows, Meltcast 3.0. Aristotle, our man, is a host and engineer of that. We've got the Disney Click where people are just talking Disney like we talk Batman. But Disney. <laughs> and then we've got Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. This is the Charlie Rose of Meltdown. He is just getting <laughs> deep. This guy gets yeah. deep. His shows I are mean, intense he, sometimes, he, but they're man, really good. He is powerful. His most recent one is Cosplay Killing Comic Con. 
and Brendan McCarthy, his I think his first or second interview, wrote, it shouldn't even be called Comic-Con. I mean, he just <laughs> on it, but Matt Kennedy touch, gets on that. I'm also a host on another one on some hip-hop-ish, and that's talking about how comics and hip-hop are basically colliding, and we wow. go over those kinds of things. So we've got Eats and Geeks on YouTube, Digital Lizards of Doom, Check it out, MeltComics.com. Heath, if people want to get in touch with you, follow you, get connected with you, how do they do that? Yeah. (laughs) Easiest way to do that is to follow me on Twitter, at Heath Corson. I just did. Did you? (laughs) Nice. I respond to people. I talk to people. Uh, I love it when they tell me how much they hate Bizarro because it's opposite, and I can pretend that they love it. Uh, no, everybody loves Bizarro. Everybody am love Bizarro. Um, but yeah, uh, I hate Bizarro. I, I will promote. But I mean it in a nice, in the right I'll way. promote uh, cons that I'll be going to and panels that I'll be showing up at, and as well as like. My day-to-day turmoil of trying to get any of this stuff to work. And, What's right. your next con that you're... Uh, I think I'm going to be at C2E2, okay. um, but I'll definitely be at WonderCon as well. Awesome. So I'll be at WonderCon, <laughs> I'll be at C2E2, um, and then San Diego, and we'll see what else right now. It's sort of starting to fall into place because I think I'll just be finishing the TV show at that point, and okay. I'll be... Uh, uh, looking for my con schedule. Ah, nice. Yeah. Amazing. And so you've got Bizarro, the trade, coming out February 4th. Yes. So go to your local comic book store, specifically Meltdown. Meltdown, and check get it. that out. Watch Scream Season 2 on MTV. Oh, yeah. Um, yell at me about that, about how much you love that. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to announce new projects. Follow me on Twitter and I'll announce projects. Awesome. Or on Instagram, which is at Heath Cors- H. Corson. Nice. Yeah. And London, speaking of Instagram, yes. how do we get in touch with you? Well, you can first always email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. Any, if you guys have any questions or I, ideas for shows, I read everything. And I also want to thank everyone who does email me and say that they like the show and all the support that everyone gives. It's, it's awesome. So you can email me. You can follow me on Instagram at Instagram.com slash History of the Batman. On Twitter at Twitter.com slash Hist of the Batman. On Tumblr at History of the Batman.tumblr.com. And you can like on Facebook at Facebook.com slash History of the Batman. But yes, you can reach out through email at History of the Batman at gmail.com. Very nice. Thank you for that. And London, you're up to 219,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, it slowly grows every day, which is still insane. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for everyone. That what are you covering likes. on Instagram now? Um, today actually marks the 50th anniversary of the Batman 1966 TV show. So this week we're going to go all into 66 show, talk about nice. the characters, favorite episodes, everything Batmobile, all of it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I stole the King Tut character from yeah. uh, Batman 66 and then threw him into Bizarro. That's like one of my favorites. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, yeah, so if you're into Batman 66, this is the week to follow. <laughs> and if you want, you could follow me at, at Wen's Finest on yes. Twitter. <laughs> it's a small following, but very. But devoted. But devoted. <laughs> and uh, thank you once again, Aristotle, for sitting yes. in today. Really much appreciated. This is History of the Batman at Meltdown Comics with London. Thanks for listening. And London. Peace, love, and Batman. Batman.